Man, thank you for watching us yet again online. I was thinking about that all day today, that it is December 13th, and um, that's crazy that the last time we were all able to gather was earlier in March, and I had a pastor uh, tell me, uh, ask me earlier how the church is doing, and I'm like, they seem to be hanging in there, right? Like, I don't know uh, how everyone's doing, but people are resilient. Uh, people have continued to engage, and people have continued to give. And the needs right now in the month of December with the holidays are absolutely overwhelming. And sometimes I get you know, overwhelmed at the thought that we can't help everybody, but we're going to do for one what we wish we could do for everyone, and that's going to be our heart as a church. And so as Pastor Nelson was talking, your giving really matters in the month of December, not just in COVID, but every year. December is a tough time for families and a tough time for people, and that is even more so right now. And so if we could finish this year strong with generosity, um, it would be, um, I believe, God's heart for us to help as many people as we possibly can. Matter of fact, we have a call scheduled with another uh, store owner, restaurant owner um, that is in danger of going under, and we're trying to partner with her to keep stuff open and, and try to uh, last until we can get to where um, you know we can get out of this quarantine stuff. Cases are going up, but so is faith. That's what I'm speaking in Jesus' name. And so, man, I want to speak something today. Encourage your faith. I'm really this this series we are in. I think we could stay in this series an entire year. Because the more, we're not going to, uh, but we could, because the more that I dive into this, this series with God, the more that I realize what would change and shift in our hearts if we really got this. What does it mean to be the image of God in our community and in our surroundings? And I was talking to Pastor Philip the other day, and uh, he was, um, uh, you know, going through some old stuff. They're, um, they uh, were going through their garage and cleaning out a bunch of old stuff from Oasis. And he started sending me pictures from all these memories uh, in Oasis Church, uh, memories that he had as a pastor over 35 years. And he sent me these pictures of amazing things happening in the church, people everywhere. And one time they put a Jesus star that was like, you know, the walk of fame. They put a Jesus star out front of the church and all these people came out. And low key, I got triggered because I'm like, this is my first year and I like have none of those memories. Like I have no church memories. Everything that we have done this year is not about creating memories, this year has been, as a church, it felt like this year is about literally helping people get through it. And this year for me has been getting through it myself. I literally to the point where I'm like, I have never seen a therapist. I'm not against therapy. I think therapy is great. Never seen a therapist until uh, uh, this pandemic. And my therapist, I was complaining to my therapist. This is a really good thing. I was just complaining. Like, he's a Christian therapist too. I was just complaining. And he says, you know, Julian, your life is not fair, but it's just. I was like, what did you just say to me? He says, oh, it's not fair, but God is doing the right thing. Never confuse fairness with justice. God is doing the right thing in your church. God is doing the right thing through you. And I was so encouraged. I'm like, it's God, this isn't fair, but it's just. God is doing the right thing in my life. And so as Pastor Phil was passing out all these boxes, I text him back. I said, I hope to have memories like this uh, you know, as a church. And he obviously knows what our first year has been like. 
And he, uh, my son had done a performance. You follow me online. My son is obsessed in the pandemic with Michael Jackson. We've never played a Michael Jackson. He heard Michael Jackson on YouTube and then asked uh, Alexa, uh, who has all in wisdom next to God, asked Alexa who Michael Jackson was, and he's been watching it and practicing every day. And, and so he did a performance for uh, Pastor Philip, uh, came by and, you know, uh, did, and Dallas did a performance for him. And Pastor Philip, when I was like, I hope I have memories like that, he's like, you don't have those memories in church, but you have this. And he sent me a photo that he took of Dallas, and I want to show it to you. Uh, they're going to put it on the screen. And, and that's my buddy. He's, he's in full Michael Jackson garby practices every day. And when he sent that to me, I was like, oh, my gosh, that's my memory. My memories are with my kids. I don't have the church memories where we were all gathering, but I do have some family memories that are powerful. And uh, one of our team members, Leanne, took a picture of my family, and I'm going to put that on the screen as well because this is what I have, and, and this is what you have. And some of us, we don't have what we thought we would have in 2020, but we got a lot, y'all. And I, I'm encouraged. I have more than what the enemy's trying to tell me I, I have. And so I, I want to put that picture on the screen of my family. Of course, that's my beautiful wife, my daughter Bailey, my son Dallas. And then many of you know Jamaica, worship leader. The Lord gave her to our uh, family when she was 14 years old. And so we take family photos and hang out uh, together during the holidays. And I'm reminded today um, that I have a lot. Uh, my life is so full. And I hope that you understand yours is as well. Uh, COVID has taken some things from us. But I really believe that what we have, what remains, um, God um, is faithful, and I'm grateful for it, and I hope you are too. And so this, this message today that I'm going to talk to you about is really, uh, my heart is, is that you would understand Jesus in such a special way that you would no longer be deceived by the things that the world tells you are better than Christ. I really... Uh, understand this to be true. And, and I don't want to get into all these things, but it's so interesting. My son drew a picture of, of, a, of something that's associated with another faith in class. And I thought about how you will never see anyone do crosses or mangers or anything about Jesus in school, but other faiths are allowed. There's something that the world does not want us to know about Jesus. There is something about the name of Jesus. I mean, even when you do interviews and you're a believer, they'll say, hey, can, can you say God? Don't say Jesus. The Bible says that demons tremble at the name of Jesus. And I really believe that as a church, if we are fulfilled in our relationship with Jesus and then become father figures, image of the father, 2021 is going to be special, y'all. 2021 is going to be special, y'all. And I feel like the world puts all these things in front of our face to make us feel like that's what real fruit is. Real fruit is fame. Real fruit is influence. Real fruit is money. I, I hope that you um, have finances together, but, but real fruit comes from a relationship with Christ. I wonder if I could just talk to you about Jesus for a second. Can I just talk to you about Jesus and all that Jesus has done in my life? I remember being on my face with my bank account uh, at negative $18 and just on my face in 2009 just saying, Jesus, I need your help. And you know what? He helped me. He came for me. 
When I was running for him, he caught up to me. When I was running from him, he caught up to me and, and he saved me. And I put my faith in him and he washed me clean of my sin. And he, he called me righteous and he told me I would do things that I didn't believe and then I did them. What Jesus has done in my life, I, I can't even describe it. And yes, COVID has done something as well, but it doesn't compare to the infinite grace and love and truth that Jesus gave to me. Nobody can take from me what Jesus gave to me. And so what I'm trying to express to us as a church, as every single week I pray to what God wants to say to me, I pray because I know you're going through a hard time. And this week in particular, I just want to tell you just Jesus. It's all I got. He is the one. He's the only one. Not Pastor Julian, not sermon prep. It is just Jesus. I mean, he could have stayed in heaven, man, on the throne. The Bible says that when God created the heavens and the earth, that Christ was there. He was there. And at our lowest point, John chapter 1 says, Christ came and made his home among us. I remember growing up, I couldn't wait to move out of San Bernardino. It was so bad. I've told this story before, but somebody stole meat off my daddy's barbecue grill. True story. You know you live in the hood. I don't care. I know there's gangs. You know you live in the hood when somebody stole, stole meat off your daddy's barbecue grill. It was bad. Can you imagine? I, I wonder who was making the sides, like preparing for like, the meat was hot. So somebody was waiting outside the fence, waiting for my dad to, and I remember like one day I'm going to get up out of here. Like every time I've gone through a hard time, my faith is attached to one day I'm going to get out of here. I've, I attach my faith to one day I'm going to move out of the hood and one day we're going to get out of this quarantine. I'm going to be able to gather with people. And, and so many times I've attached my faith to one day I'm going to leave. Yet the Bible says when humanity was rejecting God, Christ came. Christ entered into what I'm always believing and praying to get out of. What if being a father figure is just being willing to joyfully, prayerfully step into the things I used to pray to get out of? I don't know if I'm ready to be a father figure. You know, it's interesting enough about... Dads, I have this weird thing where as a dad, like I'm always trying to prevent my kids from getting hurt. Like I'm just like way too overprotective, right? There's something we uh, we moved into a new um, condo and there was this, it has these stairs and there's this, I wish I could show you a picture of it, but there was a hole uh, like that looks down into the living room. So if you're like walking halfway up to the stairs, there's this wall with just a big old hole into the middle of it. And and it looks into the living room so you can kind of peer. And I guess the old people who live there put some plants there. 
And I went to look at the house and, you know, I'm Uncle Geo to so many of our staff kids that come over. And, and one of the kids who come over a lot, they're our kids' best friends, are uh, Sam Lee and Cancelon's kids. And I'm looking at the house and I'm not thinking about the deal. I'm not thinking about the price of the house. I'm thinking about if Lil Asher crossed out that thing, he's going to die. <laughs> and we paid maybe $1,000 to get a plexiglass in there so that Lil Asher won't die. Lil Asher comes to our house. And the very first thing he does is press his lips against the glass. And I thought, had that glass not been there, he's dead. I'm like overprotective because I'm a bad dad if I allow my kids to get hurt. And I'm like, oh, that's not the way God works, though. That's not the way that God works because God has the power to heal whatever hurt you. And sometimes the revelation of being a father figure is not in the lack of hurting, but the presence of healing. And so for me, if I don't and we don't realize that we're hurt, then we can never encounter the Father through the healing. And there's things in me that need to heal. And there's things into you, in you that need to heal. And you can ask any burn victim, the burn treatment, the healing is more painful than the burn itself. We come to Christ to heal, to be delivered, and to be set free from sin. And that's what God did for me. And that's what he wants to do for you. And when he frees you of your sin, then he wants to make you go public with your, with your fruit. That's what this is about. You notice that even when pastors like fall and fail, how shady the devil is, he waits until they get to the height of their influence and he makes their sin public. Their sin is everywhere. Their sin is everywhere. He does that on purpose. He wants to make your sin public. He loves to do that. And Christ wants to make your fruit public. In John 15, verse 4, Jesus says this, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. And that word fruit is a beautiful word. It means that everything that is done in true partnership with Christ. Fruit is not cool things, right? Unless those cool things are done with partnership with Christ. So fruit is not a bunch of awesome things. Fruit is whatever Christ was involved in make happening. I want you to catch that. Fruit, it's not like, man, Julian, you got a lot of fruit. You don't know if I have a lot of fruit unless you know that my, what I'm doing is out of my relationship and reliance on Jesus. Because it's only fruit if I'm doing it within partnership with Christ. It can look like fruit. Matter of fact, there are companies I looked up on Amazon that sell fake fruit. This is a basket of fake fruit. You deck, it's a de decorative thing. And I, and I really believe that fake fruit are things that look like it is fruit, but it wasn't done in partnership with Christ. It says this, by fruit, by definition, 
It's the Lord living his life through ours. So when Jesus came and jumped into the middle of what John 1 says was darkness, Jesus came, then we can be father figures by living, by allowing Christ to live his life through ours. And therefore, what we would pray to get out of by faith, we can step into and bear fruit for the kingdom. This is a beautiful thing that even Paul brings up in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 23, when Paul says, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You know what the flesh is? Sometimes people like think that the flesh is like sin. The flesh is, is the things about you. It is your humanity. See, when you get saved and Christ comes and he, he, he sets you free from sin, that moment where you raise your hand at the end of the church service, Christ comes and makes his home in your heart. The Holy Spirit comes and is now living on the inside of you. But watch this. You're not done because the divinity of the Holy Spirit is trapped in the humanity of your flesh. So that does something happened but there's no fruit. It is only when you allow the Holy Spirit to lead, not your flesh. What is the flesh? These are our human desires, the stuff that we want to do, our own. It's the stuff that comes from within. You know, we have like uh, uh, desires to be famous. Some of us have sexual desires and the enemy wants to make your desires your identity. So then you can say it's you. But is it Christ? This is so important because it says, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not free to do whatever you want. It says they're in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. Sorry. They're in conflict with each other so you are not to do whatever you want. So here's how you know Jesus has made his home in your heart. Conflict. See, some of us think that Jesus has made us home and it was just like, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, everything's okay, everything's okay. I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, everything's okay, everything's okay. You know what I mean? No, 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 no. You have had Jesus when there's a war, when there's a conflict. Ooh, I want to look. Don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Oh, I want to, don't do it, don't do it. There's got to be a war. There's got to be a war. The conflict is between your humanity and your divinity. And the Bible says that you become a mature Christian when your divinity is constantly yielding, excuse me, your humanity is constantly yielded to the divinity in you, the Holy Spirit. Not when it's gone, when it's surrendered. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because it says later, watch this, it keeps going, they're in conflict, but if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, this is a big one, especially in L.A. You got to be careful you touch sexual immorality in L.A. People are going to leave. Wait, what are you saying? Are you saying, are you about to say something about who I am and my sexuality? Are you about to say something? Let me tell you something. God is not pleased with anyone because of their sexuality. He is pleased with faith. You can't make God happy one way or the other. 
but your faith says something about who you are. Your faith puts you in relationship with God that produces fruit. Your flesh just produces acts, actions. All it means is that your flesh reacts. Its inner desires instantly reacts, acts, reacts. So your flesh sees something and reacts. The difference between the spirit and your flesh is what happens that's a product of the spirit takes time. Notice it doesn't say the fruit of the flesh. It's saying the acts of the flesh. So then when you are dealing with something, whether it's your sexuality or whether it's your, 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 your desires or your fame or whatever you want to do, your flesh has a quicker response than your spirit. It's, the flesh is speed, acts of the flesh, react. So then you need to resist to give the spirit time to give the right response. So you actually have to resist anger so that grace can kick in because anger wants to come quicker than patience. Do you get what I'm going with this? So we don't understand this because like we don't, but the Bible says even if I, if I were to see, uh, 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 oh, I'm married, obviously. But I would see uh, uh, another woman. The Bible says to run from youthful lust. To run. It doesn't say become a perfect Christian so you don't deal with it. It says to run. Can you imagine me coming in my house out of breath? <laughs> what happened? Let me tell you something, babe. There's this girl outside. I had to take off running. That's what the Bible says to do, run. Some of y'all brothers, some of y'all you need to be running. You see that person in your flesh is like, yes, them. The spirit is like, no. And in the running from what's coming out of your flesh, you get a revelation in the running. About, oh my God. I'm, I'm, let me tell you something. Some of you don't know what the spirit is trying to say to you about who you are. Some of you don't know what the spirit is trying to tell you about your purpose because the revelation comes in the running. When you run from what the devil is trying to make you do. I didn't figure out that I was supposed to be a pastor until I ran from the weed. I ran from my ex. Ran. I didn't know what I was running to. But the revelation came in the running. The revelation comes in the resisting. So if you don't know what God is doing or what Jesus is trying to say to you, are you resisting and are you running? from the things that are the flesh. And here's the thing I will tell you. I'm going to give you a challenge because some of us have just adopted these sinful things and we just go, yep, that's just the way it is. And, and, and this is going to be a hard message because somebody right now is living in sin, doing something that they know the scripture says is sinful, but since they can't stop, they're saying it's them. I want you to run for one week. I want you to resist for one week. And if you can't resist and run for one week, week, resist and run for one day. And I want you to write down the revelation you got in the resisting. And I want you to write down the revelation you got in the running. Just one day. Because God will speak something to you that will give you so much faith, you will now be able to operate in the spirit. Isn't this amazing? And it says that those who live like this, it lists, lists a bunch of things, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, y'all carrying on. Now, for all the people that are like, you tell them, Pastor Julian, 
when I start talking about sexual immorality, because don't nobody want you. Don't forget. <laughs> don't forget. There's some people out there that, listen, my nose has been the same size since I was two. I haven't had to resist a lot in my childhood. This mole been on my nose since a young lad. So I haven't had to do a lot of resisting when I was in junior high. I'm going to be honest. You know, I'm going to be honest. Your boy did not have to resist a lot. I was resisted. So my sexual immorality came by lack of, my, my sexual morality came by lack of options. See, <laughs> see, somebody out there is judging somebody for their sexual immorality, but your sexual morality came from your lack of options. Can somebody just type in, I'm in the lack of options club right now, if I had my chat in the lack of options. You see how handsome Kyle is, man? Kyle right here, his brother got his handsome. His brother's handsome. Have you seen, you should just see him and his wife on Instagram, how they look. They just look like they both got options. Now, their morality is something to be spoken of. Mine? God don't care about my sexual morality. He knew better. He said, I'm going to give you charisma. Give you charisma. He gave the looks to Kyle and Macy. Gave me charisma. He knew better. I'll still be in the club if I look like Kyle. Why? Because don't we, when I read the list, we think of what somebody else has and what somebody else is dealing with. But don't forget, in the same category as sexual immorality, he puts idolatry, witchcraft, which is trying to manipulate spiritual things to get what you want. How many spiritual leaders do that? So the reason why we've been so hurtful to, to a certain communities, the gay community, other, because we don't address our own crap and we act like they're worse. Fits of rage, cussing people out and speaking in tongues, selfish ambition, there's a lot of that, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness. He says, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom. Not those who fall, those who live. That is perpetual habits and you don't care. He ain't talking about if you fall. The Bible says you fall, get back up. He's talking about people who lay down. You know the difference between pigs and sheep? Christ says, never. Demons went into the pigs in scripture. The difference between sheep and pigs, one of the differences, there's a lot of differences. Pigs taste way better. That's one. <laughs> Bacon is unbelievable. I've never had lamb, shake, lamb chops are good too, but my opinion. If a sheep gets trapped in the mud, it cries. If a pig gets trapped in the mud, it wallows. It loves it. That's the difference. You don't have to change right now. I'm speaking of you just found Jesus, but just don't love it. Just have that moment where I hate this. I want to be who God has called me to be. Don't live like that. Don't live like that. Why? Because the fruit of the Spirit. Think about this. This is so important. And I hate talking about this because the church has done such a poor job. All they do is judge, 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 judge. If you have all this stuff, they're judging. But no, you got to get this point. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft. So we don't need to get in a theological debate about are these things wrong. 
Because it says in verse 22, but the fruit of the spirit is the acts of the flesh, but the fruit of the spirit, the acts of the flesh, but the fruit of the spirit. So when we don't need to argue with people about what they're doing. We just need to ask the simple question, do you feel loved? Do you have joy? Do you have peace? Because if you don't have love, joy, and peace, the Bible says that's the kingdom. Joy, peace, and righteousness. Do you have joy? Do you have peace? Because this is what Christ wants to give. The resistance and the running creates a replacement of love, joy, peace. Those are the first three. Self-control is the last fruit listed. Notice that? So when we see someone and they're struggling to live the way God wants them to live, we don't need to talk to them about their issue. We need to talk to them about love, joy, and peace. Because love, joy, and peace, and then it says patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and then self-control. The self-control does not come. No one is self-controlled that is not loved. If they're not loved, of course you're not going to be self-controlled. Because you spend your life feeling, trying to fill the void that only God can fill. This is so important. This is so important. Lord, help me preach this. Help me preach this. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Are obvious. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, which means patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This, this, this word love is not a human word. It's a biblical word. It's not love the way the world describes love. It is a love that is only found in the Bible and in God's word. This word doesn't exist in the English language. It's a love that means, that means uh, divine love, what God prefers. It's when you understand what God prefers, you're walking in love. Not my preferences, but God's preferences, what God wants, what God desires. It's a beautiful, beautiful love that has no conditions at all attached to it. And look what it says about love in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 7. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, if I had such a faith that could move mountains and didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I had to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient. It is kind, it is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. One of the reasons people always say, if God is, is God, then why does so many bad things happen to good people? First of all, there are no good people, only God is good, but God does not demand his own way. If there was no free will, there could not be love. It says God is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wrong. Do you understand? I want, uh, this is so important, how much God loves you, how much Jesus loves you. It keeps no record of being wrong. So God does not keep a record. He lists the acts of the flesh, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition. And God doesn't keep a record of any of that when you do it. He literally, the blood of Jesus, wipes you clean every single time. How powerful is that? type of love and when we receive that love we wouldn't take it for granted and we'd want to know what would it mean to to live a life like this people have to encounter this love so that they can encounter purpose 
Because here's what the thing is. In my own flesh, I tell people all the time, if I was a fireman, I'd be doing a whole lot of dirt. Because I don't feel right now that the Holy Spirit is speaking to me about my purpose. I don't want to forfeit my purpose. But when I didn't have purpose, I was living in the most sin because I didn't have any purpose. My family is my purpose. This church is my purpose. This city is my purpose. I can't do these things because I'll forfeit my purpose. And here's the thing I got to tell you about purpose is why love is so important. Purpose is not finding out what you love to do. Purpose is finding out who loves you and then just doing something. I'm going to say that again. Purpose is not finding out what you love to do. Purpose is finding out who loves you and then just doing something. Because if you're walking in the revelation of the love of Jesus, everything you do is purpose. Yeah, very good. Everything, even the things you don't want to do. He goes along this beautiful list of the things that God wants to replace the acts of the flesh with to make us father figures. He says that love, and then he calls joy, which is translated grace recognized in the Greek, which means when you understand that God has given you grace for all of those things listed in the acts of the flesh, then you will have joy. Here's what is so important. If you are operating in any of these sins listed, don't ever say, this is who I am. And here's why that's dangerous. Because if you say this is who you are, then you can't have joy. Your joy will be based off what other people have to say about who you are. But if you look at this list and none of these things, you say, this is who I am. And you say, this is what I've been forgiven of. Then the grace can come in. And joy is grace recognized. And don't even say, yeah, this is some of the things I need to stop doing. Don't even say that. Don't say this is who I am. Don't say this is what I need to stop. This is what I've been forgiven for. This is what the blood cleansed me of. And in the blood, the blood of Jesus washes me clean and I stand before the Lord with, with, with as white as snow, purified by his blood. I've been forgiven, set free. Do you see what I'm saying? It's not I need to stop. No, I need to receive. The grace of God. Because when there is joy, some of y'all are going to be too happy in the next season to sin because you've recognized grace. Don't you want to sin when you're depressed? Don't we all do? Well, God wants to give you joy. So if you stop saying these are the things I need to quit or this is who I am and these are the things I've been forgiven of, then grace can overwhelm you. And every single person who is overwhelmed by grace is also overwhelmed with joy. And the joy of the Lord is your strength to stop. So if you have no joy, God's not telling you to quit. You need some joy. Why do you think kids can be? Because kids are so joyful. My kids don't even know they're quarantined. Can't wait for them to go back to school. (laughs) He says he wants to give you love. He wants to give you joy. Guess what else are in the fruit of the spirit? I'm not saying that you're bad if you're operating the acts of the flesh. I'm saying you're missing out. I've done a lot of these things. Plenty of debauchery. I don't know if I've done any witchcraft, but who knows? Play with a Ouija board in junior high. Yep, all that. Check all the, the whole list. 
I've done the whole list. And I had to look at this list, and I don't say these, this list is bad. I look at the fruit of the Spirit and say, so much better. Oh, my gosh. Love is so much better. Joy is so much better. And it says peace. Peace is translated wholeness. Wholeness. Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green passages. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. How awesome is that? I could get into that a lot. He makes me lie down in green pastures. The shepherd's job is to lead you to pastures that are so green, he has to make you lie down. And you know what that means? The sheep, he would lead them to pastures so green, the sheep would just want to keep eating and keep eating. He would have to make them lie down because sheep have to lay down to digest what they've consumed. And the shepherd would have to make them lie down because they were conditioned to keep. That's how amazing it was, the place he had led them to. They lacked nothing. He leads them beside quiet waters and he refreshed their soul. Gave them peace. And then patience. That word patience means uh, uh, the premature use of force. Waiting a sufficient time. Long suffering. You don't force your way. You wait for God to open the door. You wait for God to do it. It's something that only can come from God. This is so much better than jealousy and fits of rage and selfish ambition. And then kindness which there's also no word for this in the English dictionary. And kindness is an act that came out of godly character. So when God expresses his kindness to you, that doesn't mean tone. It does come out as a rebuke. Then somebody's like, hey, that wasn't very kind. I'll give you an example of what kindness would be. Uh, depending on what's going on in your life, um, let's say you are about to step onto the street in front of a truck. And someone goes, Hey! And then right as you're about to step into the truck, you realize that they yelled, hey, like that uh, to get your attention because you were in danger. You wouldn't turn around and go, I wasn't very kind. You didn't have to yell. No, it's not tone. It's intent. I'm going to say that again. Kindness is not tone. It's intent. It is, it, is, it is the motivation of why they're saying what they're saying yields to kindness. Psalm 141, this is proof it's not, not tone. It's, it's an act that came out of godly character. Listen to Psalm 141, verse 5. It says this, let a righteous man strike me. It is kindness. Let him rebuke me. It is oil from my head. Wait, what? Let a righteous man strike me. He's literally saying, let somebody with some character tell me to sit down somewhere. Let somebody with some character tell me you need to put that down. Let somebody with some character challenge me and rebuke me. Let somebody with some character tell me to knock it off. Let somebody with some character say, stop walking in the church every year, the same year, and nothing's changed. Let somebody with some character strike me. It is kindness. It's not tone. It's not, hey, could you? Maybe not. It is the character of, a, of a, the person who was talking to me. And the intentions, not tone, that is kindness. So God could be telling you the most difficult thing you've ever heard in your life, and it's so kind. I could be telling you the most difficult thing you've heard so far, and it is so kind. And some of you, depending on what I said and how you took it, you could look for another church, and that's, that's okay. But what I'm saying to you, I'm saying to you, 
out of kindness. I love you so much. And the fruit of the spirit is just better. The fruit of the spirit is just better. And then the next one is goodness, which is moral excellence. You notice a pattern here? You notice we got, we got love, love, love. I love that. We love love. This is love. It's all about love. No, no, no. It all begins with love. Right? This is not, this is not fruits. It's just fruit. There's no S. It starts with love. It starts with love. And the next word is joy. We love that. Peace. We love that. Kindness. Okay. It's getting a little rough. Because that's not just tone. Again, that's intention. So God starts kindness. The kindness of God, the Bible says, leads to repentance. Did you hear what I just said? So if you actually are receiving the kindness of God, you are changing. Kindness leads to change. Love, you don't have to change. Joy, you don't have to change. Peace, you don't have to change. Kindness, uh uh-oh. We're in the change part of the fruit now. Right? We're in the change. We ain't just in the love. And and you stop talking about love in church, you start talking about change, people are like, no, 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 no. Kindness makes people change. Let a righteous man strike me, it said. Let God tell me I'm tripping. And then the next one is goodness, which is moral excellence. Uh Uh-oh, we're getting deep now. Now it's faithfulness. Now I got to have some faith. Wow. Gentleness, which is power under control. Now I got to be reserved with the power of God that's on me. I can't just be out here all willy-nilly in the streets doing whatever I want to do. I got to have some gentleness. That's why little babies will poke your eye out. They have no strength. They can't control their strength. They can't be gentle because they're not strong. Do you see what I'm saying? And then the last one is self-control. And you know what self-control means? This word makes me so happy. It means dominion within. My God. Why would I need dominion within? Maybe it's because what Paul said in Romans 7, what I want to do, I don't do. There's the power of God that's in me, but he says something interesting. He says, but there is another power, the sin that lives within me still. So self-control is when I have dominion over the deposits that the enemy's trying to put in my spirit. So when he sends someone to offend me, I got dominion over that. When he sends somebody to tempt me, I got dominion over that. When he sends someone to make me mad, I got dominion over that. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? That that self-control is dominion within. It is when the other fruit starts to take place in your life, the joy, the, the peace, the grace, you start to have dominion. Not over them, over you. This would mean that somebody else probably is never the problem. Because the last fruit is you. So I'm giving you the first eight fruits to help you defeat, conquer, and have dominion over you. And when you have dominion over you, the part of you that's you, You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Now you are ready to be a father figure. 
It's never going to go away. You just have all the fruit of the Spirit to give you dominion until Christ returns. It's never going to go away. And you can lock yourself in a closet and the devil will make sure somebody pop up in that closet. What are you doing in here? You have dominion, 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 dominion within, dominion within. There's things within me. Lord, give me dominion within. I need dominion. How, when you go into the promised land and things that God has for you, you are going to need dominion. The Bible says that God created Adam and Eve and wanted them to be fruitful and multiply and have dominion. And God says, if you can't even have dominion in your own soul, if you can't control what's going on in your own soul, if you can't resist the sins that plague you, then how are you going to resist when I send you? I'm telling you, this fruit is so much better. The fruit of the spirit is so much better than the acts of the flesh. It's just better. There's just a better way. There's just a better way. There's a better way. It's just a better way. Jesus says, I'm the way. The truth and the life. And we keep putting pressure on believers to live the life of Jesus. But he didn't say he was the life first. He said he was the way. I'm the way. I'm the way. I'm the way. And I really believe that someone right now, if you would look at that list and say, I've been forgiven. I've been forgiven. Jesus wants to come right where you are. And he wants to walk with you. And here's the crazy thing about Christ. Is that if you are the worst person online right now, if Christ came right now, the Bible says he'd come eat with you and hang out with you. Matter of fact, all the religious leaders were so bothered that Jesus would hang out with these people. And and Jesus wants to be with you. And the Bible says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, I will come in and eat with them. He wants to be close to you. He wants to be near to you no matter what you've done. The the blood of Jesus can can wash it all away. And so I want to pray for somebody right now that, man, you've just been, the acts of the flesh, the pride and all this stuff has just been overwhelming you. And man, the Holy Spirit wants to partner with you to bring about fruit in your life because he wants to elevate his character in his season. And he wants to take some stories that are like crazy of things that people have been forgiven for. And the Bible says that Paul called himself the worst of sinners. And God used him to write the scripture that I read to you. Paul used, God used Paul to write the scripture that I read to you. And the Bible says that he was rounding up Christians and murdering them. And God says, I need you. I want you. Can you imagine? Some of you that are listening to me right now, I'm telling you, God, there's a movement of the spirit coming to you right now. If you would just say, these are things I've been forgiven of. 
Not things I need to change, not things that's my identity. Your identity is you're a son and you're a daughter of a king. If you would say that right now, then Christ is going to come and make his home in your heart. And as you run and as you resist, God is going to give you revelation. God is going to give you relationship that you've never had. And the fruit of the spirit is going to begin to blossom in your life. And the fruit of the spirit, I'm telling you, I am one. I know what God does when he gets a hold of somebody. And I'm praying for you right now to receive grace so you can have joy. To receive this love so you can understand what it means to follow Jesus. I'm, I'm just praying right now, Holy Spirit, would you speak to somebody? Somebody's repenting right now. Somebody's saying, I'm not living one more day like this. I don't know how I'm going to stop, but I want the fruit of the Spirit in my life. I don't have joy. I don't have peace. I don't feel loved. And I need that from Jesus. I believe somebody's receiving Christ right now. Right now, if, if, you, if you just want to receive Christ, go into the new year uh, being a follower of Jesus. I want you to just lift your hands to the heavens and repeat after me. Just say, Jesus. Matter of fact, say, Jesus, one more time. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin because you wanted to be with me. Thank you for your grace. I am forgiven. I'm set free. So teach me how to live in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, in Jesus' mighty name. Somebody say amen. Put amen in the chat. We're going to close in worship. I love you so much and can't wait to see all the fruit that happens in your life from following Jesus.